I'm Karen, founder and skipper of Sporting Sheroes, an organization that helps women in sport raise their profile and develop great sponsorship packages. This is the Data Talks Sports CDP Crash Course Podcast. Data Talks makes it easy for sports organizations to sell more tickets and merchandise and to negotiate sponsorship agreements of higher value. Our community, Women in Sport Beyond the Hashtag, is for everyone involved in women's sports space. And we'd love you to join us, whatever your sport, whatever your level, and whatever your role. Welcome to the July episode of my monthly guest host slot. And there's really only one hot topic on the table this month. The FIFA Women's World Cup, Australia and New Zealand 2023 which kicks off on the 20th of July. Where to start? Aside, of course, from the mix of excitement and relief that FIFA has finally agreed broadcasting rights for five of the major European competing countries. Over the past year, the commercial aspect of this showcase of all tournaments has felt like a roller coaster ride, from the initial ideas around who would sponsor through to appointing a supermodel as a fan ambassador, underestimating demand for tickets, and then, as I mentioned, some of the chaos around the broadcasting rights. The FIFA Women's World Cup is likely to be the most watched standalone women's sports event ever. Around one and a half million tickets have been sold and the tournament opener in which Australia play Ireland should have provided early warning signs of its popularity when it had to be moved from a 42,000-seater stadium to one twice the size to meet the demand. Now, from an organiser's perspective, yes, that's a logistical challenge, but it's also a very good indicator of commercial opportunity and support in terms of sponsors, merchandise and more. However, if we look solely at the pounds, dollars and euros, we do so at our peril. It's not just about the money, and especially in women's sport. When FIFA tried to push through a sponsorship deal with Visit Saudi, there was a backlash from organisers, host countries, players and fans, and FIFA president Infantino had to withdraw from completing the deal. For many, it was a triumph of morals over money, and whilst I doubt he would admit it, probably a blessing in disguise for Infantino. Had he gone ahead with the deal, FIFA would have had to deal with consistent and persistent discontent and disruption from all parties involved, and it sadly would have been a major distraction from the sport on the pitch. By contrast, in addition to some of the usual sports, drinks and transport, and other brands who regularly sponsor events such as these, on the 12th of May, Unilever's personal care brands have been announced as official sponsors. And they are looking at sponsorship that goes beyond logos and product placement. Rather, they're hoping to build a deeper relationship with lasting impact, including a range of initiatives to help accelerate the growth of women's football globally. And I say hurrah to that. That right there is what makes all the difference. Securing a sponsor with line of sight relatability to the tournament, its players and its audience will change the mute music and the tone on the pitch, in the hospitality venues, and across the broadcast stations. It's really commendable that Unilever took this leap of faith, 
as the broadcasting agreement itself was only announced on the 14th of June, after chaotic negotiations that, for some time, even threatened blackouts to five of the biggest competing nations in the tournament. And it's not just the sponsors, the teams and the national governing bodies that would have had cause for concern had this happened. Just six weeks out, UK football pundit and out-and-out women's ally and advocate Ian Wright commented in an interview, look at the amount of opportunities these girls, i.e. the players, are missing out on in terms of sponsorship leading into it. Many individual players have separate sponsorship contracts that may have been impacted too. Even now, after a broadcast contract has been finalised, those players are being hit by blackout periods during which time they may not post or promote for their personal sponsors. Thankfully, just 37 days shy of the first kickoff, a deal has been reached for matches to be shown in the UK, France, Germany, Italy and Spain. But the delay comes with significant costs. There is a mountain of lost opportunity in terms of partnerships that might have been developed, adverts and promotions that are now going to have to really be rushed through, and a longer, more strategic build-up leading to the main event, gathering excitement and expectation as it goes. So what can we learn from this? When considering sponsors and sponsorship packages, take the following into consideration. Firstly, Plan well so that when you secure sponsorship, as the sponsor or the recipient, both parties have time to execute well. You may be familiar with Dwight Eisenhower's prioritization framework, the quadrant matrix comprising tasks that are important, non-important, urgent and not urgent. The sweet spot is clearly the not urgent but important quadrant where we are focusing time and effort on opportunities for maximum impact, but with the time to execute brilliantly. Secondly, don't underestimate the power of documenting the journey. Women's sport in particular attracts sponsorship with great longevity and a deeper, more collaborative relationship, but you can only manage that if you get going well ahead of the starting whistle. Thirdly, Look for sponsors with whom there is a direct line of sight in terms of relatability to your sport, your players and your sponsors. Fourth, as was so demonstrable with the Women's World Cup, avoid anything that goes against your values. There will be other, more aligned organisations out there keen to support you, but they'll also be watching your choices. And fifth, Ensure you have explored and put in place risk and reputational management measures. So if you do get into trouble along the way, you can handle it efficiently and gracefully. There are some positives in this slightly woeful tale. For a start, have a look for some of the tongue-in-cheek fun adverts that have started to emerge. I highly recommend the Fox Sports USA versus the World one, especially as our lionesses are seriously hoping to beat them this time around. Also, while FIFA comes in for some serious criticism on occasions, it has announced that players will each be paid at least $30,000 with significantly more for the winning team. The stage is set. The coaches are starting to announce their squads. And as a Brit, I will, of course, be cheering on the Lionesses. But more than anything, I want to watch great football 
by a bunch of seriously class female athletes. Yes, women's sport has a way to go and there will be challenges along the way. But for now, let's cheer loudly, support our national teams and celebrate one of the greatest spectacles in women's sport. So that's a wrap for this month. I'm Karen, the founder and skipper of Sporting Sheroes, guest hosting this podcast for Data Talks. Come and connect with me and the awesome Data Talks team on social media. And don't forget to join our fantastic community, Women in Sport, beyond the hashtag. All the links are in the episode description.